2: Is that? That's
3: the second time it's gone on. They never got home, they never got home, they never got home, those,
0: those boys. And I said, I want to win the league, but I want to win it better. You can understand that, can't you? Yes. Good right.
3: luck. So he's almost like having a second captain in the team. Second captain,
1: first captain, whatever. I've got two main takeaways from McGregor Mayweather. One of them, I'm stealing from the excellent Irish Times column written by our friend and colleague Ken Early, and okay. the other one I have thought up all by myself. Oh, <laughs> that's nice. Hello and welcome to Monday's Second Captains podcast. As everyone knows, we have a divide in Ireland between the people who love Conor McGregor and think he doesn't get enough credit, and the people who hate him and think he's an embarrassment to the country. Begins early, writing cogently as always. Uh, the story begins of his begins fight- <laughs> early. <laughs> the story of his fight against Boyd Mayweather is only likely to entrench both sides and make the split worse. So Ken goes on to list everything from the beginning, the announcement of the fight, the way it was promoted, the ten rounds in the ring, and McGregor's graciousness afterwards, all of it will be interpreted by either side as evidence that they were correct all along. In the case of the fight itself, the McGregor fans, as Ken says, saw him go toe to toe with one of the all-time greats and deliver performance that compares favourably with what top boxers Manny Pacquiao and Canelo Alvarez did against Mayweather. The haters would have seen him totally outclassed, only emerging with some deceptively flattering punching statistics because Mayweather had such contempt for his ability that he abandoned the cautious habits of a lifetime and drove forward in search of a knockout. Now, I've got to say, in this particular case, I'm kind of leaning towards the hater's interpretation <laughs> of, of the fight itself, mm. uh, which brings me onto my own original thought.
4: Oh, here we go. Here we go.
1: Sound the klaxon. Floyd Mayweather needs to stay retired now.
4: Mm.
1: I've been amazed at the amount of times I've read the words boxing masterclass used to describe that sloppy effort by Floyd Mayweather. I thought he was... Like he slowed down a lot from even a couple of years ago yeah. against Pacquiao. The hand speed wasn't there. The head movement is—you're always amazed at his ability to slip punches and and just as well as the hand speed to have his head almost on a swivel that wasn't there to anywhere near the same extent. He claimed afterwards that he wanted to make the fight exciting by just marching forward, but maybe he's more because that's—he doesn't have the same tools that he used to have, and he might not have been as comfortable just dancing around for. 12 rounds. Certainly his fight fight against Pacquiao was actually a defensive masterclass, but most people were so bored by the entire thing and so Mm. annoyed that they paid money for it that they didn't really give Mayweather that much credit. In this case, I don't think... I think it was far short of a masterclass, but the Floyd Mayweather Mayweather that was in there was, you can only fight what's in front of you, Mm. as they say. You can
4: only dance with the girls in the hall. This is it.
1: And in this case, McGregor goes 10 rounds with, you know, one of the... uh, maybe a 50% version of one of the greatest fighters of all time Yeah. and emerges with uh, a fair bit of credit in the bank, I guess.
4: Yeah. I mean, go back and watch Hatton-Mayweather and compare the Mayweather you saw in the first few rounds of that Ricky Hatton fight. Uh, and it, it's actually, a, it's a pretty good example because Ricky Hatton was trying to do what Conor McGregor tried to do in the first couple of rounds, uh, which is put an, um, uh, like a massive amount of pressure on Mayweather. Watch how Mayweather moves and what Mayweather does versus the Mayweather we saw on Saturday night, and honestly, it's two different people. It's, it's one of them is is a
1: reprieve of the other only in slow motion. Nearly ten rounds isn't bad, though, is it? You have to tip your hat to McGregor's toughness, which, by the way, is not wasn't necessarily a given in the sense that the Diaz fight, I'm sure, part of the build up to this fight was Mayweather calling Mister Tap Out and all this mm. kind of stuff and tapping on the the table or the lecter or whatever one of the promotional events so his opponents in the UFC and now in boxing ha- have tried to put that idea out there that actually he doesn't really want it. Uh, I think it was kind of perfect for McGregor that he managed to not get knocked down and to have the ref step in. Mm. Was was he quite as annoyed with the referee stepping in to save him from further punishment as he made it afterwards? <laughs> only Conor McGregor will know but certainly in the uh, one of the central points of Ken's piece is that the Irish audience is like the only audience who has any sort of mixed feelings about any of this. In America, they saw a guy who talked the talk and then came in and walked most of the walk as well. Yeah, and um, are hugely impressed by him. He's becoming an even bigger superstar over there, which was the main point. I don't think Conor McGregor's too worried about trying to change any more minds in Ireland. Yeah, like they, you know,
4: they have the luxury of being indifferent towards Conor McGregor. Uh, Irish people, for better or worse,
1: don't have that luxury. If you're not a member of the Second Captain's World Service, number one, You don't agree with supporting independent member-led journalism for just five euro a month plus that. And number two, you miss Ken's joyous observations. Joyous they were from Las Vegas last week.
2: I'm having a buzz flounder now. and anyone wants to not give me a shell.
3: So people think you're having a great time, but actually they're just being processed by this enormous, uh, sophisticated machine designed to separate them from their money uh, and leave them with the impression that they're having a good time and i suppose when they sit on the plane back to wherever it is they're coming from that gnawing emptiness at the core of their being they uh, probably put down to a hangover which is all part of the genius of, <laughs> of how this place works but it's just it's just so boring
5: it's not unusual to see me cry i
1: wanna die would you like
3: the you see what
2: happens i don't know We'll have two toilets to the- i don't know In
3: the Howard johnson motel on tropicana avenue <laughs> So I suppose the layout of it is basically the H-block format, <laughs> um, uh, and it's it is a it's a proper motel. I mean, I've got a front door that opens directly onto the car park. I have a sink, a share, toilet, television. Don't get your um, head
4: turned by all that yeah. glamour, Ken.
1: Come back to us, <laughs> don't.
4: Ken. Don't forget about us.
1: Well, he will be coming back to us, Murph, you'll be glad to know, but not until tomorrow. Kennedy's return from the beautiful Howard Johnson takes place tomorrow, Tuesday, for World Service members only. To hear Ken's breakdown of McGregor-Mayweather, a brand new player's chair, join us at secondcaptains.com. And join up today, Dublin, Mayo, All-Ireland Final. Are you bored with this fixture yet? Oh, Are you sick of it?
4: Absolutely not, No?
1: Quite excited about it?
4: No, very excited. Yeah. Um, very excited. Uh, I've just spent a morning thinking back to how much I enjoyed the two finals last year Uh, and at some stage over the next couple of weeks I'm going to sit down and watch both of those games in their entirety because they were absolutely gripping enthralling examples of the sport that Gaelic football could be uh, and hopefully will become over the next five years if teams like Tyrone decide that that's not the way to play football anymore.
1: So That, I, that the Tyrone's way yesterday isn't the yes, way to play. Yes, yeah, exactly.
4: Yeah. Um, so what you're looking at, basically, is this will be the eighth game between Mayo and Dublin in the last 11 years mm-hmm. at all Ireland semi-final or final stage. And every one of them have had spectacular moments of drama. So you start with Kieran McDonald's winning point in 2006 in, in the... 69th minute or whatever it was as he wheels away one fingered salute in in celebration and every game since then I mean the Iron semi-final the last game that Mayo beat Dublin in was this 1916 game in 2012 when Dublin were whatever 10 points down and David Clarke ended up making that save from Bernard Brogan to uh, keep them ahead Uh, we've had two draws since then uh you know the 2013 final was or t- 2013 All-Ireland final was probably the worst of the games in ways um that was not a great game that was no, flat no that was pretty flat but i mean the two games last year the drawn game in 2015 Mayo were 5 points up and Lee Keegan drops that ball into Cluxton's hands with 10 minutes to, with 14 minutes to go and Dublin end up winning it by whatever it was 7 points i mean they've just been unbelievable games and the key reason why they're such brilliant games is that they both, I, Mayo don't pay Dublin any respect whatsoever. You saw what happens when teams pay Dublin a surfeit of respect, which is what Tyrone did yesterday. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I, maybe people were hoping for a reprise of the league final between Dublin and Kerry, but
1: I'm happy. You've sold it to me, Murph.
5: Usheen how's the form? Good on, just as we predicted at the start of the year, I think.
1: Yeah, well, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Certainly, Murph is a happy, happy man today. Mike, how are things? Yeah, not too bad. Not as well as last time, but not too bad. Because, so, listen, Clerkin, Clerken has written up a death notice in today's Irish Times. The death has taken place of the Gaelic football tactic known as the mass blanket defence. After a struggle that lasted over a decade, it passed on peacefully and placidly in the end, expiring in the
5: arms of the Dublin football team. Do you lament its passing? I don't lament its passing, but I fear that there is a few people who may try and keep it all on reincarnate. With, their, with their fingernails. <laughs> with their, um... To see, can, is there any life left in it whatsoever? I
4: have <laughs> a funny feeling we might be uh, recreating that scene at the end of Carrie, where the hand comes up from the grave. <laughs> to, uh, yeah. next summer.
1: I suppose the argument is, it, you know, the, the, look, that tactic is still going to be used and can still work in certain cases, just not against the very best
5: teams. Definitely not against Dublin. Yeah, but yeah, Jesus, the Dubs are awesome. yesterday. yeah. Oh, that's the first thing you know. I have to start with, um, before the game, you're thinking, yeah. Like Tyrone are gonna frustrate them, but they didn't even get the opportunity to frustrate them because Dublin's movement, the movement up front for the first uh, couple of scores was was awesome. And you know what makes a big difference as well when you're playing against a defensive system like that. Uh, Paddy Andrews two points. You know when you leave him and you give him five yards and you're saying go on have a go from there because there's not too many can score from there, and he scored with consummate ease. And then Tyrone started to. You know, have to push out a little bit more, and then that give O'Callaghan the opportunity to. I have to hold my hands up. I wasn't convinced about Con O'Callaghan. Not that I didn't think he was. He was, but like I just thought it's a bit early to be talking and hmm. uh, talking about him in the way that that people had been. But um, yes, Jesus, he looked as if he was playing inter county football at that level for ten years. Yeah. You know, I know he has good players around him, but. Like he was very, very good yesterday, and everything that he done. They all were. They all. They all looked like they were enjoying
1: themselves. Mike and I use that word because when Dublin first started coming up against these partic- particularly defensive systems, especially the famous game against Study Gall, it really looked like they they weren't enjoying it. They didn't have a clue really what to do, and and they it looked as though they they felt inhibited and felt stifled. Whereas yesterday they knew what was coming, and they had a game plan to get around it, and really seemed to. Manage to e- express themselves within that game plan.
6: Yeah, I, I just think at this stage they they kind of enjoy a different challenge. You know, it's it's just every team now poses some some different problems or or try to pose different problems for them. But like they're they're just so far ahead, and they're you know when we we talk about game plans with those guys, I I just think there's such a collection of incredibly talented you know intelligent footballers, and the way they're coached obviously helps that. That no matter what problem or what kind of defence you throw at them. They have the kind of poise and, and, and the ability to just, you know, to, to figure it out and, and, and to work, you know, to work it out. And, and, and What did they do? How did
1: they work it out, do you think? What what, what particularly did they do and what, what should other teams be looking at that Dublin did yesterday that, that makes it look so easy to play against 14, actually 15 men behind the ball a lot of the time?
6: I mean, but this is the point I'm making. I, I don't think it's it's so much an incredible strategy that Jim Gavin has employed that, that you know, saw them break down. I, I think it's the fact that they're footballers are so so much better than anything that that, that Tyrone defence has faced throughout this year that they're able to get a small sliver of space and Paddy Andrews can kick and score that Conor Kelly can, can you know off a kick pass can go and jink past the guy and go bang a goal like they, basically that defence was completely redundant yesterday and had very little impact in the game the, the only thing I thought it might do for Tyrone was give them a platform with which to counter attack and, and they didn't even have that opportunity because Dublin were so patient and, and, and just kept the ball at, at will at, you know no problem to him. And it's just, I, I, I don't know I, It's not, not going to be dead You're going to see it again But it, it's um, it's something that the best teams Are just just capable of picking their way around now
4: Yeah Mike, and I actually uh, I thought watching the two games That the the two the, the two teams with the best players Won the two games this weekend And you can talk a lot about systems And all the rest And obviously Tyrone set up in a way That was nearly entirely counterproductive To them actually winning the game But if you go back through the game and you see the amount of times Tyrone footballers are are soloing up the field, and they just leave the ball behind them, uh, or they get tackled out of. Uh, they they get dispossessed really easy by like Paul Mannion. Like we're not talking about you know Aidan O'Shea or Philly McManners. Like Paul Mannion dispossessed like two or three Tyrone players just by tackling correctly. And like at the, at at some stage you have to say, right. And like all the wides Tyrone kicked, like you know, I think it came down to. And we'll get on to Mayo and Kerry in a minute, so we'll just stick on, on Tyrone. It's like their quality of footballer was nowhere near the quality of footballer that Dublin had. And you can kind of dress up systems all the way you like, but the way that the ease which Dublin kicked their scores and the terrible nature of Tyrone's wides, even say in the third quarter, if you took the first 10 minutes of the second half, the terrible wides that Tyrone kicked, I mean, that was the difference in the game, even more so than I think anything that Tyrone did tactically. Dublin's players are just way better.
6: I, th- I think that's the bottom line. More freely, you know. Now, obviously, they're they You know, you can see you can see when you're up there and you look at the pitch how how huge they make the field, how wide they get, you know, and and they force you know they force that zone to stretch and 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 suddenly there's larger pockets of space than other teams who who played a little bit tighter. And they do they do you know smart things like that, small little nuances that that make it slightly easier and give a little bit more space to their inside guys, but. But generally, like I thought Mannion, Mannion was awesome yesterday. Maybe not so much in terms of scoring, but his work rate and his tackling and his, you know, the turnovers you're talking about there. And all of those guys, Morf, there's no, there is absolutely no guy in that Dublin team that's in any way a bit of a character horse or a guy who's not an incredible athlete who can't run 100 metres in, in a very quick time. And you're looking at maybe Paddy Andrews is the only guy who's not an incredible athlete, even though he's still a, a flyer. And, and they can just track you down. If Peter Harton and you know Matty Donnelly take off from the middle of the field. They have guys like James McCarthy and Fenton who can who can match them stride for stride and tackle with great technique and turn ball over. And systems are a big you know they're a big part of modern GA. But uh, the biggest part of it is having players that are good enough to, to break those down and to and to do something different.
1: It's funny, Oshin, because we were having a slightly different conversation myself, and my friends after the game yesterday, and and kind of trying to consider the question of whether or not Jim Gavin is possibly even a little bit underrated. Like that, that performance in particular was probably the best coached I've seen a Dublin team ever, certainly in the last number of number of years and probably the best Jim Gavin performance, if you know what I mean. And we were kind of debating like what happens if and when Jim Gavin does talk that he could end up doing a Brian Cody and staying on forever. But if he was to move on with all the systems, with all the players, with everything that's in place, is it actually the case though, that Dublin also have possibly the best manager at the moment?
5: Yeah, I think so. I think... I want to go back to when they played Derry um, a couple of years ago in the league and um, Derry set up really defensively against them and Dublin matched them defensively and Dublin didn't play that great but they won the game with four points three or four points, whatever it was and that was when this stubborn streak started in Dublin and I think that was the time that Jim Gavin said, well I'll tell you what, you can come and play your defensive football, we'll match up we're going to get more scores than you anyway and, and I think I admire that because there's a stubbornness about about that, and the other thing about it too is that they're under no obligation to entertain us. Like yesterday, they could have went on and won that game with 25 points, but they're under no obligation to do that. They were controlled and they were measured, and that all comes from Gavin. And the thing about Gavin is that when I first seen him, uh, when I when I first seen him as manager and I seen his first couple of interviews, I go, oh, "There's no way he's going to be able to keep that facade up for <laughs> you know for any length of time." I'm gonna wait for him to crack. No man can be this boring. Yeah, an and, and I'm not gonna, you know, and like that's just obviously who he is. That's just obviously who he is, and that I think that 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 the attitude that he has has re- reverberated around the dressing room, and and they all seem cool, calm, and collected, unfazed by whatever you're gonna bring, um, as far as you know, whatever tactic you have, and I think. The two the difference between the two teams and I'll go back to your point but the difference between uh the two semi the two teams that won at the weekend the athleticism to get to the tackle and then to be able to um to to, uh, to strip the ball or turn the ball over um the the thing about about both Kerry and Tyrone, they were able to get there. They had the athleticism to get there, but they didn't have the physical power to take the ball off the opposition. That was stark. How the difference in the athleticism of both teams, but absolutely, Gavin, it, you know, has been underestimated. I think. I think you know, I wouldn't have put John Small on Peter Hart. I think Peter Hart is the heartbeat of what uh, of what uh, Tyrone do. I think he's the one player that had to be nullified yesterday, I would have thought he was set up lovely for Philly McMahon to, to bully him and, and push him around. John Small did an absolutely brilliant job job on him. And the strange thing is that the other player I would have picked out after that would be Matty Donnelly. But they give Maddie Maddie Donnelly the ball in certain areas, and when he got to the middle of the field, they pushed him down the wing, mm. and they forced him into two early early wides. And from that, you could see that he wasn't as interested as in having that shot. Every time, you know, even McCarran getting the ball, a lot of time McCarran got the ball, it was standing still. I know Kilkenny got the ball a few times; and he was standing still, but. That's sort of like his job, He just, he's, sh- he's just shuffling it back. But the amount of times that Sarum players got the ball standing still and were going down the Blaine Alley was, was unbelievable for a team that I thought you know, would have had the intelligence to, to match up to Dublin. To I tried telling Carl Mannion last week, Mike, that I didn't think Dermot Connolly was going to start,
1: but I did think he'd get more than the few minutes that they threw him on for <clears throat> at the end. What, what do you reckon that's about, just a bit of a message that nobody walks straight back into this team?
6: Yeah, I, I think so. I think so. I, I think, you know, as good as he is and as as brilliant a footballer as as we all know him to be, I think it was just a little kind of public message that, you know, yeah, if you want to get on this team for the final, you're going to have to do something more than you've, you've done the last couple of weeks. Obviously, he hasn't seen much of him. Um, but Gavin, like Gavin, I, I just think the the biggest quality and the biggest compliment I could page in Gavin is outside of the coaching stuff and, and, and all of that. It's how, it's how he has developed such an incredible group that can stay motivated for so long. Like hunger, he's he has completely done away with this notion of hunger and you know how how Dove should be satisfied with the winning they've done. They just keep coming back for more and and that's because of the environment or the the, the setup that he's after generating completely above there. And um you know whether it's whether it's Dermot Connolly coming on for a minute, Michael Darren McCauley not playing at all, Bernard Brogan not getting a run, you know Paul Flint coming off the bench, McMenamin coming off the bench. I mean the the it's it's nearly an embarrassment of riches at this stage and and how he can manage that and get the most out of it and make sure guys aren't throwing wobblers. And, and, and going off on solar runs is an incredible testament to his management
1: Mike what do you make of Murph's idea here that the reason that Mayo won the primary reason that Mayo won at the weekend is that they've got better footballers than Kerry I, I think it's a fair assessment of, of the game last Saturday um, no
6: no Kerry probably helped them with, with their own selection and with the way they set up to play the game and um, but you couldn't argue too much with with um, with that assessment of their footballers. I mean, obviously the full back line was in serious trouble in after the first day out, um, and Fitzmaurice took some kind of action to, to try and you know play a sweeper there and give him a bit of protection, and and it just it really it just didn't work. He took a chance and it didn't work, and and by by taking off O'Donoghue or not not starting O'Donoghue, it just gave Mayo an advantage back there, and it was they were you know it was much. Easier for them to nullify Danny and, and Gainey and and it gave him a platform to just run the ball, it gave him quick kick outs and it really hurt Kerry um, you know, particularly in the first half, but it just gave him the initiative to, to just run over Kerry for most of the game.
4: Yeah, and like the the idea of playing Paul Paul Murphy as a sweeper, I mean obviously in the in the last whatever it is, nine or ten days, we've been talking a lot about Eamon Fitzmaurice and Stephen Rochford I mean, you can see why Fitzmaurice did that. Um but to be fair, I also thought that is exactly what the Mayo half-back line wanted Fitzmaurice to do. And when you look at, when you look at the game, you could see that uh, Colin Boyle, Keegan maybe to a lesser extent, but Donny Vaughn, Keith Higgins, all of the Mayo backs that are so comfortable on the ball, so pacey on the ball, the fact that Kerry had a sweeper meant those guys came storming into the game. And that, you know, on balance, maybe Kerry would have been better off you know, just going fifteen on fifteen like they had in the replay, and backing the the quality of the player that that I'm here slating, backing the the, the quality of their players, and that means starting James O'Donoghue.
6: Yeah, yeah, and and from a manager's point of view, or if you start the exact same guys and and or, or you know you start Shane Shane right on on Andy Moore, and you start Mark Griffin on uh, Darty, and you start Killian or Killian Young on Killian O'Connor, and and the game goes the same way. As a manager, you would be absolutely eviscerated for for being so stupid as to as to expect some a different result from doing the exact same thing the previous week. Now, like perhaps they could have done something a little bit different to give them a little bit more protection without going with a flat out sweeper and playing seven designated defenders. Um, but it just it just didn't work. And the big the big thing where Kerry really really competed with with Mayo the first day was in terms of the kickouts and and they got a lot of joy from winning Mayo kickouts and and they got scores from there. But they just gave up every kick out to Mayo because they, could, they didn't have the numbers up there and Mayo didn't lock something like one kick out in the whole game and that gave them a huge platform to just go on and run and do what they wanted and um, it's just I, I, it was it was frustrating because I don't think I don't think that you know, I know Mayo played. They were much more deserving of of, of their win, and, and they played better than Kerry. But I don't think they were exceptional by any means. And and as poor as Kerry were, if if they had maybe just gone a different direction, it would have been it would have been certainly a lot closer than they finished. Uh,
4: we were talking last week, Oshin, about uh, Andy Moran and you know the the how brilliant he he brilliantly he played last week and. Uh, I was listening to it and the one thing, the one point I would make about Andy Moran, and we were talking about basically, you know, whether or not he's a marquee forward or whatever. Don't burst my Andy Moran bubble, man. No. Don't
1: come in here after no. having a day off last Monday and burst my Andy Moran bubble. I'm
4: absolutely not. I am I'm, I'm here, I, this is a pay-on to no, Andy Moran. That's okay then. Because I actually think that the one point about Andy Moran and Jason Doherty as well is, you know, Mayo can't keep going back to these fellas, Right. But both of those players have made themselves better players, Ushing, in the last two or three years. Like, those guys have improved. And I think this is the key difference looking ahead to the All-Ireland final. That Dublin, apparently only two of the forwards last, uh, yesterday started the All-Ireland final replay last year. Dublin are able to regenerate their team constantly. You know, there's another Conor Callaghan coming down the track. Mayo can't do that. So what Mayo have to do is get better individually and they're managing to do that. And I think that's like that's an amazing thing to be able to say about a team that Andy Moore at 33 is a much he's he's just a better inside forward than he was 3 years ago. Like a much better inside forward than he was 3 years ago. He's a much more economical finisher. He's better at bringing people into the play. He times his runs better. Like he's just better. <laughs> like I, I, like I think that's an amazing. That, that's a pretty brilliant. You get your point more. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so what's, yeah. The, what's the point? Uh,
5: uh, no, I think even his torn. Is torn is sharper. Yeah. You know. And uh, but I just think that you know Kerry stood off uh, Mayo way too much. The thing that impressed me about Mayo, and I've never seen this before, is how they picked off those scores just to kill the game towards yeah. the end. I sit sitting beside a woman from Mayo and. Uh, she was the ah I've never met a camel woman at a football match in all my life <laughs> until Mayo went seven points up and then she started to panic and I said, "What are you panicking for? you are home and host. and she said, "No, no, this is when we fuck it up," <laughs> uh, and like it's just amazing even the scars that the supporters have you know after all these years. The thing about about Mayo just finishing that game off uh, the other day with Loftus McLaughlin and Jason Doherty to the four. That's bound to give them huge confidence. I just think if the All-Ireland Final was next Sunday, I think Mayo have a great chance. I'm just worried. I about think they've what, already fixed it, though. I think I'm just worried about what plan they can possibly come <laughs> up with in the next three weeks to fuck it all up.
1: Well, the plans have been working. They got through Kerry over two <clears> games. Does Stephen Rochford not deserve a little bit of... No, he deserves, he
5: deserves huge credit. And I think, um, you know, when you look at Mayo, I just think, Owen, oh, just... You know, regardless of of what tactics um, they had at the weekend or, or putting O'Shea back into the defence, fair enough. But the energy they're playing with now, and they're playing on the front foot, and they want to attack the opposition's kickouts, and you just want to see them continue to do that. Seamus O'Shea was very good in the middle of the field. You know, they have a lot of, really, They have a lot of things that are going for them. They have competition for places. I mean, uh, Damon O'Connor even, uh, you know, hauled off at half-time. Uh, you know, as I said, even that score that Loftus got will do him no harm, you know, coming off the bench. So they do have options. And, and you know, I think Rochford deserves a lot of credit for just getting the show back on the road when you consider that they were so close to them. Um, and teams look rudderless. You know, through the year, and they looked for me more than anything as if they had run out of steam and run out of energy, and they seem to have got that from somewhere. And every week that you see them play, they seem to get better. And I think week in, week out, it suited them. As I say, I'd just be worried. You know what? You know, I don't think too much about it over the next three weeks. Just it's just matchups. Do exactly. I,
4: like you know, I I really think this. Uh they did really well last year in, the, in picking the matchups picking the, def- the right defender for the Dublin forward I think that's what Mayo need to focus on I don't know if there's a whole lot else yeah. that they need to do I mean I, I thought there was a very good piece of analysis on the Sunday game last night about Clark's kick out and uh, bunching uh, in the middle of the field and then giving him 30 or 40 yards to aim at rather than standing out in the wing and saying can you kick it into my into my arms Um. But like they don't need to overthink this, you know. I I think that they're very close to Dublin on uh, when it comes to like the the Dublin players that can hurt you. Mayo have similar weapons, Absolutely. I think, you know. Uh, so I, I that's that's it really, you know. The, the the cunning plan, the the blackadder cunning plan. It's not necessary, I don't think, for this. What, what
1: about belief though? We were talking about this. Joe Brody point last week that Mayo believe they can get through semi-finals. And as an add-on to that, they actually believe, they they believe they can dig games out and, and stay in games. I'd also add on, they believe they can beat Dublin, but do they believe they can and will beat Dublin in an All-Ireland final? Or do you think there, there is still a question mark over that? Uh, uh, there's
5: obviously a question mark. Until, until they do it. Yeah, <laughs> until <laughs> until they do it. But, you know, I do think that I do. I do think that sometimes you know we we talk too much about abstract stuff like well, the psych, No, but the psychological stuff when it comes to Mayo, you know what I mean. Like this Mayo team, regardless on like this Mayo team is going to be remembered forever. Now they're going to be remembered forever at times for you know their lack of ability to get over the line. But Jesus, they have given something to Gaelic football over the last number of years. I get an intro. I, I think I might have mentioned this to you before. A Very interesting conversation with a couple of the Waterford hurlers who failed, you know, to get over the lane and, and win All Irelands. And they're not that. They're not that tainted by that. You know, they don't feel as if that defines their whole, you know, um, career as as hurlers. I think it m- might be slightly different because we're so focused on Mayo and we're so focused on, you know, like what you're going to hear over the next couple of weeks. Ah, geez, I'd love to see Mayo win. I'd love to see <laughs> them do it. You know what I mean? Just once, just let them do it once. But
4: talking to my seventy-five-year-old uh, Dublin neighbor uh, out walking our dogs last night, and he was he was saying, "Sure, listen, you know, I wouldn't begrudge Mayo, you know." <laughs> I was like, "Mayo people don't want to hear that, you know." Well, I yeah. didn't say that to him. I said, "Well, that's very, uh, very kind of you, sir." <laughs> yeah, but
5: yeah, but they they don't. And I think you know, to be honest, without Pat, you know, we shouldn't be patronizing because they're better than that. You yeah. know what I mean? And and like. They haven't been slaughtered in all Ireland finals, or they haven't, you know, just that little bit of quality at times and that composure in front of goal. And they showed that composure in front of goal in the last ten minutes of the game against Kerry, just to finish that game off. And it's a while since I've seen them finish off a game, you know, you know, as well as that, and and with as much confidence as that. So they need to bring that into the All Ireland final. And if they can, if they can add composure to the energy that they've built up, I mean. Like, this is going to make, this is making some of cracking all around. Yeah, I don't
1: think anyone's anyone's tired yet of the Dublin Mayo um fixture but just on the last one on Kerry, Mike, before we forget about them for the season, is the reaction has the reaction been has there been much viciousness to it given how expectation had been building this year? I'd say I'd say a bit of the old Kerry confidence and cockiness seemed to be um, bouncing around the place and it was such an underwhelming end.
6: Yeah, yeah, I I'd say the next couple of weeks won't be the most comfortable for for him if it's Morris and his his management team, really. I mean, um, Mayo Mayo to carry is always a game that you'd be confident to winning, even even though, obviously, those games have been really close in the recent past. But... um, It's just, it's funny, you know. It's such a fickle game. I mean, Fitzmaurice wins the National League final against Dublin, and he's being lauded as a, you know, a tactical mastermind and a sage, and 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 now a couple of sharp months later, you get beat by Mayo, and, and you're a buffoon, and and you got to go, and, and they'll be calling for his head. You know, it's, yeah, I I think it's probably somewhere in the middle. Fitzmaurice got, you know, they they took a chance, and a lot of things didn't go their way. But at the end of the day, I'm not sure if there's anybody in Kerry who's in a better position or better place to to take on that team. You know, you're gonna you're gonna have to bring in some young guys that are obviously there, but just haven't got the time, and that we saw in the National League actually that never made it onto the championship kind of panel or team. Mm. Uh, and it, I don't think there's going to be much panic. I think the the success of the of the of the minors and stuff over the last number of years has kind of tempered the the, the complete panic that we'd seen before this. But um, he's still the guy as far as I'm concerned, I think, that to, to, to take the team forward and you just got to get a little bit more
1: patience to get those other guys into the mix. Just a word on Sean Kavanagh who's retired, obviously, a uh, great footballer and sort of one of the last links to, the, to that uh, really top Tyrone team. I've got a theory about Sean Kavanagh based purely on seeing him in the flesh yesterday. Go. Cool. He got too big towards the end of his career, too muscular, and possibly lost a little bit of mobility. I, this guy has one of those six-packs that is, is really high up I mean, I don't know. I've never had the luxury of having a six-pack, and I don't know if you choose when you're building she, it. Headed. Right, you know what's Got, take got a high up on the chest, and then he's got these massive, big shoulders, and he he's just got a,
5: you know—yesterday was not an easy day I for him. I thought he was he? just doing what I do and sucking in really hard. Yeah, there's
1: <laughs> probably a little bit of that as well. He's a big—he—he he did. I remember interviewing him years ago. I think it's a talent, and he was talking about his, he had his bad shoulder injury a few yeah. years back because he was basically going too mad in the gym. I think it was actually an international rules meet-up, and it was one of the Armagh boys so he was, it was himself and somebody else. Like You can imagine yeah. the kind of competitiveness, and he popped a 10 and really yeah, right. career-threatening injuries. So he's obviously a gym rat like most footballers are these days, but has he maybe gone to... to
5: yeah, another? he looked. He actually looked a, a, a bit big, but if you remember going back to last year's Ulster final, that's probably the best I've seen him. He kicked uh, two cracking points at the end of the game to get them over the lane, and you're thinking, this guy has still plenty to offer. I, I think he, he suffered in that he didn't ha- that system the system that they were playing wasn't that beneficial. I mean, he spent you know, a lot of the time on the bench at different games this year. Um, you know, he was hauled off on a on a couple of occasions. I don't think he liked that. I don't even think he liked being hauled off yesterday. So uh I, I just think that it sort of it sort of passed him by a little bit as the, the, as he went on. And possibly he got too big and possibly lost a, a, a yard of pace, but I'd probably forgive him that because he's had an yeah. unbelievably phenomenal oh, career. Yeah.
4: yeah, well, and what about that? I mean, he's he's w- would he be up there in the top five or six players of the last fifteen years, of this of this millennium? Yeah, this, I think he, he'd have
5: to be. um When he came into the panel in two thousand two, he's only eighteen. Uh He scored a goal against us in the Ulster Championship, and uh from that point, I, I don't think he, I don't think he missed a game for the next ten odd years. You know, so. He was awesome. He was three All Irelands. Um, he lives on the. He lives on right on the border with Armagh, and I think he really enjoyed f- two thousand three because <laughs> uh, he would have got a fair bit of stick. Uh, and like you know, I would say that his brother has developed on the coattails, you know, of what of what Sean had had given in the previous years. But he was an awesome athlete, and he was a player that really could have played anywhere. But you know, hats off to him because there's not too many players nowadays have a career with the longevity that the that Sean Cavanagh have and here's me slagging them off for doing too many weights yeah, I'm a disgrace disgusting, <laughs> disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> thanks
1: O'Shean thanks mate thanks, thanks mate okay guys
2: off to bed I went <laughs> my head was fried I didn't even know it was a damn absolute fucking horror I was horror. devastated I'd been off the smokes a while Saw that back on there <laughs> I had a date organised for that night the first date with someone cancelled that my head was gone <laughs> Woke up the following morning, and to my absolute amazement, I read this message on my phone.
3: Let me tell you, you're only getting this because you're a former player of mine, and <laughs> I'm not too sure too many journalists would have got a third time lucky.
2: Hi Richie, sorry the equipment just didn't work again, but it's no problem for me to do it again. Maybe see you in Ipswich one day for third time lucky. Best wishes, Mickey. Best
0: wishes, Mickey. I got the job on a Wednesday. I'd been a player up until that yeah. Wednesday. Took the training on Thursday. I picked the team on Friday, and I took the game on Saturday. So I got the job on a Wednesday. I'd been a player up until that yeah. Wednesday. Took the training on Thursday. I picked the team on Friday, and I took the game on Saturday. So it was A bit of a whirlwind.
5: Oh,
2: God. Well, I'm just looking down, I think all the red lights are still on. It looks like we've recorded this successfully, Mick. Thank you so much for agreeing to do this so many times. Richie, I sincerely hope so, because there's no fourth time lucky,
3: let me tell you.
1: <laughs> well, 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 I believe I have to apologise for Oshie McConville's potty mouth throughout <laughs> that interview. Would he use that kind of language in the dressing rooms of Crossman Glen or Armagh? I well, think not. Yes. <laughs> I mean, no, obviously. Francie yeah, Bell, you would be appalled, Murphy. Mm. I can imagine the Grimleys, McConville, wash your mouth out with soap and water. Listen, I mean, we're all, you know, pretty head up here, Roisin, but really, that level of F-bombing. The two boxers in Vegas at the weekend weren't the only ones making hay out of this venture, by the way, Murph. To Mm. take it back to McGregor and Mayweather for a moment. I spotted Lennox Lewis trying to capitalise on all the publicity. Did he? He tweeted, this is what my at-fight scorecard looked like. Show me yours. One lucky winner wins a phone call from me. (laughs) <laughs> Amazing! Oh, what a prize! Well,
4: I for one would love to get a phone call from Lennox like Lewis. I
1: sometimes think these are kind of things. That these celebrities believe their company is more mm. important than fan. It's well, a
4: slightly bigger th- prize than yeah. Than maybe it now actually fact, is. If you're yeah. a
1: Lennox, Lennox Lewis super fan, yeah, you would like a phone call from him. You'd probably prefer to meet him in person. I mean, you, like that's surely, like a phone call from Lennox yeah. Lewis. Is it going to be in a good line? Is it going to? Would he, Would it be FaceTime? Mm. Are they on WhatsApp audio? Who, who knows? Sorry, it
4: kind of sounds like you're in the supermarket. I mean, I know, I, like
1: it is great to, ch- to chat to chat you and everything, but I
4: mean, <laughs> you know, are you completely engaged in this conversation? Is what I'm is what I'm asking you here.
1: World service members will hear Ken's considered thoughts tomorrow on McGregor Mayweather. Before he left Vegas, he squeezed in a chat with Declan Taylor, a journalist who works for Haters News Agency, after the fight at the T-Mobile Arena. Mayweather
6: desperately trying to relay, relocate those golden skills of old and he lands a crushing right hand and now McGregor again is forced onto the ropes and McGregor is ready to go down it seems for the first time in the contest another right hand he
2: goes backwards crashes against the ropes the referee is looking on here another right hand left hook for Mayweather right uppercut left hook and the referee steps in and it's all over after just a minute or so of the round
0: Tumultuous scenes here at ringside. A truly astonishing night in boxing history here. A man who made his debut
2: pushed one of the greatest of all time so, so far.
0: So, uh, Declan,
3: how good a fight do you think that really was?
0: Well, it's difficult really to assess it from a kind of boxing point of view. But when you look at it for purely entertainment and certainly commercially, it was a, it was a success. And it was definitely a success for Leonard Ellaby. Floyd and Connor like they're all very rich after this. But when you kind of assess it as a boxing match it was kind of went the way really. you know really the essence of the fight was kind of what we expected. Connor McGregor gave it a go at the start. He got a bit tired. Floyd was happy to soak it up, download his data so to speak and then take over down the stretch, bash him up. And Connor's knackered, stopped on his feet, didn't hit the floor, good chin on him and you know that that was the story of the fight and that was kind of deep down what everyone knew what, what was going to happen.
3: I mean, the, just looking at sort of the, the early reaction to it, you can see people saying, well, Connor actually did well, there, you know, he, he had nearly as many punches as Canelo and more than Manny Pacquiao and so on. You know, what's your reading of the, how meaningful are
0: those numbers? I wouldn't, I'd say they're not particularly meaningful at all because he obviously had a completely different plan for this fight than he did for the Pacquiao fight. He did for the Andre Berto fight, whatever else. He clearly knew that, he, he fancied himself to soak up the pressure early. He fancied uh, Connor to tyre early, which he did. And he knew that he'd take over. He might he might have thought if he gave Pacquiao that sort of chance in the first three rounds. I think I just heard they he threw like seven punches in the first two rounds or so.
3: Floyd. Six, six in the first round and 28 in the first three rounds yeah. altogether. I mean, 28,
0: that's thrown. Yeah, that's thrown. I mean, that says it all. So he's, that was his game plan. He was like, right, I'm going to let him come to me. He said that. Him and his old man, that's what they planned. They thought... Conor's going to punch himself out and we're going to take over. So that's why McGregor had more uh, success, you know, landed more punches than some of those other more fated boxers. But then, I mean, the fact was, we were sitting there and watching it, third round, Conor McGregor, this debutant, was, you know, he was in charge of the jab, jab exchanges from both stances. It was incredible, really. But, you know, Mayweather allowed it. If he, if he didn't, you know, if, if he wasn't in control like he was, uh it, it was a it was a long term game plan i suppose you could say for him and that's why mcgregor had the success but i mean you can't knock him for it
3: do you think that it was it was uh, a plan designed to help him to win the fight or a plan that was simply designed to help him to prolong the fight so that people would not complain as much about having had to pay to watch you know a fight that was over
0: almost before it began well I, i've got to say i don't think really Mayweather would have cared too much about carrying the fight, as it were. You know, he, people- did, he did say things though, like uh, you
3: know, 49 wasn't good enough, 48 wasn't good enough. You know, I wanted to, I wanted to give them something sort of to remember me by. Like, if I, I know, that, I know that Mayweather, Mayweather has never previously cared about this. Yeah, but maybe that's an indication of how dangerous a fight he thought this really was. Yeah,
0: well, I think he, what he meant by that, the kind of intonation was that. He wouldn't be defensive in this fight like he has been for you know, the le- later stage of his career. He was going to come and bring it. But he hasn't got that knock- knockout power. So you know, when Mike Tyson used to knock people out in a round and pay-per-view customers might complain, then there might be a case for carrying the fight. But actually, I don't think Floyd Mayweather necessarily has the power to go out and knock out McGregor or knock out someone with a chin like McGregor in the first round or two. Mm. It's not best for him. As we saw, when McGregor didn't touch down, Mayweather had him you know all over the ring in that ninth round and he he couldn't put him away. He hasn't got that one punch power anymore. He's got dodgy hands and and that's that's why I think it went late. Not anything not anything untoward, you know, I don't think it was in his mind to carry the fight. That was just the way, the best way for him to do it.
3: Did you see anything from McGregor that surprised you? I mean, he had spoken a little bit about all the different obviously all the different styles, the different influences of fighting that he knows and you know he he sort of suggested I'm going to bring something that Floyd Mayweather hasn't seen
0: before. Did, did we see anything we haven't seen before? Yeah, well, I think that was one of the the main points of intrigue in this fight. It was, what's, what's McGregor actually going to do? You know, He's going to stand there in that Bruce Lee stance. Is he going to try and hit him with the back of his hand? Is he going to try and break his arm in a clinch? We didn't really know. So it was interesting to, to see, obviously, as a, a zero-fight novice. What every, Anything he did tonight was going to be new. The way he was switching stances and stuff clearly baffled Floyd. And And he mentioned it in the press conference that he was doing these kind of Brazilian jiu-jitsu sort of manoeuvres to get round the back, and you know in MMA that's an ideal position. You can strike, you can do what you want from there. In boxing, you get behind someone, you can't do anything. Yeah. You know, you're not allowed. And he started rabbit punching and stuff because it's just instinct. But I think that was a bit of inexperience uh, for McGregor. But you know, the whole everything he was doing was uh, was something we hadn't seen before. So that was the interesting thing, and it was it was good. I think it, I think it was. Um, Value for money in terms of uh, it wasn't a far, you know, it didn't look farcical. It didn't look farcical. I think everyone who watched it thought, okay, that's we've we've seen a fight. We've we've seen perhaps a more interesting fight than a lot of Floyd Mayweather fights over the last five or six years. Yeah.
3: Well, you know, Dana White, I guess, is going to be pleased, and uh, you know, he gets his gets his fighter back, and he said in there. You know, I think he should. I don't want to talk about any of my fighters doing boxing. Clearly, he's he doesn't like the idea of. star like McGregor, you know, getting out of his clutches, so to speak. Did you see any evidence that fighting again in boxing is a good idea for Conor McGregor, or is he just the guy who is going to lose any boxing match that he gets involved in and would best to stick at what he is, you know, what he's good at?
0: I think what, what it really comes down to is money. Um, this fight was always going to make a huge amount of money. Uh, if someone came to him and said, we've got this fight for you, it's going to make you more than fighting their Diaz in a third fight or whatever it might be in the UFC then he'll definitely consider it. From you know from my point of view I would say at the moment there's probably not another fight out there, boxing fight that's kind of realistic and certainly brings kind of two worlds together like this one did that's out there. So it's probably in his best interest to go into UFC where he's a big star, make a lot of money still, not on this level but still making a lot of money and win fights, you know, do what he's good at. But I wouldn't rule it out. I mean, there's, there was talk of Paulie Malignaggi at Madison Square Garden on St. Patrick's Day. I mean, that's, you know, and there's all the history there already. You can see it already, can't you? And it would be another circus. It wouldn't make him 100 million, I'm sure, but it might actually be more lucrative than fighting someone in the UFC. So it, it would completely come down to money. You can see he's the master salesman. He, you know, he was selling his new brand of whiskey within 20 seconds of, of walking on the stage. So, you know, <laughs> Do you, well, just, just to
3: sort of wrap up, I mean, do you think that it's not. It's not the kind of thing that can just go on indefinitely, though. You know. I mean, in terms of what do you think he's lost tonight? I mean, besides the fight, it's. You can't just sort of have have the hype, the build up,
0: lose, and be the same after that. It's. It takes a shine off. Mm, maybe, but then he wasn't undefeated in the UFC, so he's been beaten before. He wasn't expected to win this fight. Uh, he's actually given a good account of himself. Everyone. Should look at this sort of seriously and say, okay, you know, it was his first fight. Mayweather was brilliant. Mayweather was always going to win, but let's see what happens. And that, and that's what's what's happened. But I I think, you know, what does the future hold for him? It's it's difficult to say. What what you can say is his life has changed indefinitely as a result of this promotion. Uh, There's a lot of people, uh, not just fans, media a lot of eyeballs on him that never really knew about him seen him seen the funny walk and all that sort of stuff but never really knew about him N- knew what he stood for knew what he was about thousands millions of people now know what he's about mm. uh, they know his, his, his commercial you know potential now is incredible if he'd won it would have been it would have just been colossal but I mean in defeat I think his life has changed now uh, whatever he does, I think he could never fight again, and he could, you know, be in films and all that sort of stuff. I mean, just the charisma of the bloke and his story, you know, it's, it's really quite amazing. And I don't think losing this fight, being part of this fight, has been in any way detrimental to what. It,
3: sounds, about. It's, it sounds almost like you're, you're suggesting that he could just go on to become the greatest promoter of all time.
0: Well, well, it, it, I mean, he's not far off it already, is he? Look what he's achieved. I mean, like, I mean, you know, I don't know how many times we've said it and heard it. He was on the dole four years ago. Now he's got his name on that ring in the, you know most talked about most anticipated combat sports event ever so I mean he's already he's already cracked it hasn't he I mean, what, uh, what can you know it's going to he's going to take some monumental sort of error now to, to ruin this for McGregor he's 29 I mean what can, you know he's got a long time to do whatever he wants to do I that's great thanks for
2: Pleasure. I'd have liked him they hit the floor I'd have liked in the ref to, you know what I mean there's a lot on the line here he should have let, let me keep going I thought but fair play I'm not going doing it to protect you probably
5: uh you
2: didn't want the protection i I was was just a little fatigued he was a lot more composed under the shots he's a lot more experienced especially in the later part of it but early on i felt like it was handy handy enough to be honest but he's composed in there they've got to give it to him that's what that's what 50 pro fights i'll give you so fair play to him
5: connor i i don't i may be wrong in this assessment and tell me but you seem happy i know you're not happy to lose but are you are you pleased with how you perform
2: i don't know I've been here before. I've been strangled on live TV and came back. So I don't know, I would have liked it to just let it go. Fuck okay. it. Was some, it was some buzz. I've, to get in here the squared circle, everything was different. There was a lot more fun. I thought I was close. I thought we were close. Don't get me wrong. I get a little wobbly when I'm fatigued, similar to the Diaz 2 fight. Did it's you just, get tired? It, that's exactly what it is. It's fatigue. That's why I thought the ref could have just let it keep going. A little. Let me go down. Let the man put me down. Like wobbly and fatigue—that's energy. That's not damage. I'm
1: clear-headed. Will you box again? Would you like to box again? See what
2: happens. I don't know. We'll have two toils that to have. Def- I don't know. I'm having a ball flounder now, and anyone wants to knock, give me a shell.
1: Owen, why do you have your head in your hands? Oh God. Well, what happened to cracker Malinaghi? Oh. I can't. I can't
4: handle it. <laughs> well, I can tell you. I can tell you. Oh. We all have a part to play here. Oh, yeah. You know? Just
1: don't buy it. Don't hype it up. Don't resist believe it. Mayweather Malinaghi. I just can't stand another. Brash fighter talking his way into a mega fight. Yeah, it's a w- once every decade is fine.
4: I'm not gonna. I'm, I'm. I can tell you now. I'm not gonna hand over any money for Mayweather, McGregor, Malinaji. Yeah. Sorry, certainly I not mean, Mayweather. Is Floyd Malignaggi Mayweather. Or, is, is Floyd going to uh, ingratiate himself into this? I don't know. Unseemly uh, rivalry. I was
1: listening to Steve Bunce on Five Live and Mike Costello doing there. They're doing a lot of good podcasts from Vegas during the week. Firstly, they had a very, very positive attitude towards, and they're big boxing guys, but towards the the fight itself, they thought it went really well. They, they would have sat in the McGregor fan uh, team, uh, sort of view of things that I outlined earlier on. But I can't remember if it was Castle I think it was Bunce. It starts bringing up the idea of the winner of Golovkin and Canelo fighting against Mayweather, or against McGregor. You know, McGregor, it's like, what are you talking about? You're now putting him in against bigger, against guys that are way bigger than Mayweather, and ten years younger, and absolute monsters. Who like that's when the physicians I hope will, will step in as they were talking about mm-hmm. after the, uh, you know, before the previous fight, and maybe say this, this doesn't need to happen. But listen, I, I just Mal and McGregor, it's a no for me for the time being. Let's see how. Let's see if they really don't get along though. Yeah,
4: maybe if there's some sort of deepening personal grudge that they might foster over the next. Four or five months. Who knows? Yeah, I'm, I'm looking, having a buzz right yeah. now, anyone wants to
1: not give me a shell. I'm looking forward to hearing Ken's experience of the whole thing tomorrow. Thanks very much, Carol. Thank you, all. Thanks for listening.
4: You are someone with a history of domestic violence yourself.
2: Um, everything has been allegations.
4: You've even been to jail for uh, nothing it. Nothing
2: has been proven, so you know that's life. I'm a no pictures, just hearsay. Answer me, boy. <laughs> ah! You are a fucking bitch. Go ahead, Pip. You're the last question. What are you doing with a school bag on stage? It was your own kids who called the police. I'm half black from the belly button down. Seven separate physical assaults on five different women. You you can't even leave. Yes, sir. I'm new World federation.
3: It's the
1: second time it's done. off. No?
3: They never go home. They never go home. They never go home. Those.